When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we are coming to you on Tuesday, December 21st. And Brendan, we are still in a lockout. But I, I feel like this lockout has lasted three months. It's been like, what, like three weeks or whatever it is? So I don't know how much more I can take of yeah, this. Yeah, I think they said that they weren't really going to revisit much until the new year. And I mean, what are they doing? I don't I mean, know. like, what, what are you not talking about? Maybe they like, are, and it's just not coming out. out. I don't know. I, I, I do remember... Um, you know, I was talking with friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, at the Blog Finds on Twitter, a great Cubs follow, and he brought up the point, I think, that um, during the COVID season, you know, the negotiations for that, we did hear some, like, negative leaks, and so I guess maybe yeah. this is a no news is good news situation, but it may just be that they're not speaking yeah. to one another. I mean, I don't know at, at at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Maybe no news is good news, given what happened during COVID. I feel like every other day it was like a catastrophe right. was yeah. happening. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, we weren't really expecting much, but it is it is a rather unsettling position to be in, right? Because I know, and I know you yeah. were kind of on the side of of not, you know, sort of just refusing to believe that they would miss any games, but you know, now you, you kind of like side. once the calendar flips in a week and a half or so to 2022, then it's already January. Then you're like, okay, well, pitchers and catchers would be like a month and a half out. Like we are kind of creeping up on some of these dates, right? So you want a little bit of progress. Some reports saying they, they may go like into February, like taking away time that typically is reserved for when pitchers and catchers do report. So that might end up happening. But I, I, I'm still going to be shocked if they go into late February or early March and there's no deal. That's just like, that's ridiculous. There's money for spring training too. So to delay that seems like, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I would not be good. But you never know. I mean, we know that. So that is where we are. We don't have any news on that. But we do have a couple of... Cubs tidbits to discuss, the first of which came out this afternoon on Tuesday. And it was really just uh, Bruce Levine, who is is typically, I, I want to preface this by saying like, Bruce is typically fairly connected to the Cubs and is not uh, kind of a, someone who lives in the rumor mill, right? Like if he puts something out, 
it's it's coming from the front office or it's something that you know is there there's some level of truth to it right you may have to read between the lines on on what exactly it means but bruce isn't usually the type to just throw out rumors for the sake of of throwing out rumors so i i take uh, what he's saying here, at least at its face, right, pretty pretty seriously. And what he came out today on 670 The Score and said was that the interest in Carlos Correa is serious uh, on both ends and that the Cubs do have the money to do it. They're willing to spend the money to do it, but that 10 years is feeling too long for them. So there's a lot to unpack in in because this is the first local like Cubs person who is corroborating that there's interest there, right? Like we've heard some national stuff, some yeah. back and forth, that, and and we have kind of talked about it because it piqued our interest, right? But this is a Cubs person saying this and kind of putting more footing to the they they would spend the money, right? So there's a lot to unpack here, Brendan, but what I'm going to ask you first before we get into each part of this is how how into this are you? And not not the idea of Correa, but how much are you allowing yourself to believe that this might be possible? Because for me, I told you this earlier, I am all in. I am prepared to have my heart broken by this. I am all yeah. in. On going to Wrigley Field with Marcus Stroman on the mound and Carlos Correa picking balls for him at shortstop. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite there yet with you. I can't do that to myself. But like I've already been burned. Watch, the... you read Chris Bryant rumors. This is what I don't get about you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't get it either. I mean, like, yeah. I I've, I've, I have no response to that, but to say like touche. But I can't. I can't do both. That's my thing, right? Like, if I'm going to be reading. Chris Bryant rumors or in my mind thinking it's a possibility I can't have room for both those players in my head like I can't expect the Cubs to sign Chris Bryant while also signing Carlos Correa so that's that I mean that's where I'm at I'm not gonna lie though I might be in denial like this happens to me I'm typically the last to accept things and I might I might be in I might be really into it and so as more reports come out I'm sure that's just gonna happen to me I'm gonna get sucked in he's probably gonna sign elsewhere and I'll be upset about it because that's typically what happens. But in the current moment right now, it's still so preliminary. And I and I, I respect the reporters who are reporting this. They do have a, a strong track record of being right and respected. So, you know, these, these reports are valid. But so many things can change between now and post-CBA negotiations. Uh, hopefully it's for the better. And hopefully the Cubs aren't drastically affected. But... That's all to say is this is so preliminary. So can the Cubs do it? Yeah, of course they can do it. Clearly, the payroll is there. And so when you hear reports that they're willing to spend, yeah, like we we knew that because they just signed Stroman. So that's not necessarily mm-hmm. new. And we're also hearing that they don't want to go 10 years. Right. And again, that's not really new. It all lines well. up. We knew they don't. It all, yeah. it, all, it all lines up. So I get it. Now it's just a matter of, okay, well, the Cubs are interested in that. Can they outprice competitors who are willing to give ten years? They've done that before. They've done that with outpricing uh, or outcompeting 
Jason Hayward's market in 2016, and so they were able to offer more money up front and lure in players that way. Maybe they do the same thing with Correa, and they did the same thing with John Lester, giving more money up front and bonuses and all that. There might be a structure to do it. It's just hard to get like all in like you are right now, given where we are. Yeah, I think that's fair. And so there's—I don't think you and I need to go back through the merit of— Correa. I think we're both in on that. And I think we've talked about, you know, his age and even a long-term contract, the idea that he would probably be quite good and worth it for the vast majority of that. You know, obviously, if you're talking 10 years, he'd be 37 at the end. I don't think you'd have too high of expectations for those like, I don't know, 35 through 37 seasons. But I think you'd feel pretty strongly that he would be quite good for the majority of even a very long contract. So I don't think we need to go back through that. But I I think, to me, what stands out here is the fact that we're sort of getting more momentum to the fact that the interest is there and the willingness for the Cubs to do this is there. Now, an initial response to this from a lot of people might be that this is strategic on the part of the Cubs front office so that if he signs somewhere else, they can say, hey, we tried, right? We, we tried for a big name and somebody just outbid us. You know, what can you do, right? So it's sort of just a, a positive PR spin. Could be, right? Can't rule that out. But I think we did just see them bump up the annual average value for Marcus Stroman to get the guy that they wanted. And so I, I don't dismiss a report like this outright in those exact terms because I think we do have some evidence that they are willing to spend and that when things make sense for their long-term plans, which Correa would, they're willing to do it. So to me, the most important thing here is that there is continued momentum to the idea that the Cubs are willing to spend on a huge player with huge money to fill a sizable hole in their defense and offense and, and on this roster. And I guess the hope that I would have there is even if they won't go to whatever Correa ends up getting and he goes somewhere else, that maybe this is at least a signal of like, no, we're going to address some of these holes in pretty significant ways. This is maybe our first choice, but not if the terms get out of control. But I'm just excited that we're hearing this stuff, Brendan. Yeah. Well, that's that's another side to it, independent from the player himself and Correa. It's the fact the Cubs appear genuinely interested and involved in signing the the best player in the market and one of the better shortstops we've right. seen come to the market in in quite some time although we did just see like Corey Seager but but Correa is a different a different type of player he's one of those guys that plays quality defense his outs above average last year was in the 98th percentile and he's unique in that he does not strike out hits for power and takes his walks so those traits tend to be the most predicted of of long-term success so for Correa 10 years if you're going to give anyone that type of contract I, I don't see many other examples in recent history that make more sense uh, we saw Fran- uh, Lindor get you know, 330 million, whatever, 320 million, whatever it was. And he did not have the pedigree that Correa has, the youth, the the plate discipline. And so I think if you're going to spend on anyone, even with our discussions about KB and Rizzo and Javi over the past five years, this is the guy to yeah. do it. So if you don't do it for Correa, who else are you going right. to do it for? 
So yeah, and I, I think you know, look, uh, if you're not with the the thing with someone like Correa is that if you head into negotiations, you can iron some of this stuff out, right? You can put together a shorter term deal like they did with Stroman. It would have to be longer than three years. Uh, but, but I don't, you know, I don't feel with, like Correa is going to be like totally into that. Like if another team comes by and say, like, "Hey, here's nine, ten yeah. years," and the Cubs don't do that, then it's like, we're "Oh done. yeah, that, like, that's that's, just that's where is. I was going." Is that you can try that, yeah. and unless he really wants to play at Wrigley Field, you'll probably get outbid. And of course, if you're especially in the three to four year range, there might be a lot of teams that are in at at that level. So who knows what the determining factors would be. You can do a type of deal where a certain amount of years are guaranteed, and then you have opt-outs where he can still maybe get that guaranteed money if everybody opts in after, say, four or five years, uh, and then he can hit free agency again when he's still relatively young, cash in again if he wants, uh, or if the Cubs don't want to opt in, whatever, right? You can structure the contract in different ways if you have trepidation about just full like 10 years guaranteed but yeah he might get that somewhere somebody might be willing you know again like we saw I don't think anybody expected the Rangers to pony up what they did for Corey Seager and you know some teams may just be super aggressive and say screw it like we're gonna give him whatever contract he wants so that is of course something to keep in mind but again like the the league is in a lockout so this is the most sort of communication that can even be going on is like stuff leaking to the media right so why, so, do, you th- why do you think it leaked so that's the question i had right so if if there's no negotiations going on and it could just be hey the score wants to boost their clicks mm-hmm. which is understandable as, uh, as well but if you take that away like, do you think there's actual negotiations going on? Is that even legal? Well, you like, and I kind of talked about this. Talking? I mean, this is a yeah. way to do that, right? Like, if the Cubs want uh, Correa and his team to have somewhat of an idea of what their thinking is without the risk of getting caught for tampering or whatever, yeah, put this out there, right? Like, But what does that do? Because, like, like uh, well, if, maybe if, the, we if Correa's for, camp— week, You know, Correa and his agents say, we're— you know, have to get 10 years. So if anybody's not willing to come mm. to 10 years, keep that in mind when the lockout ends, right. you know? Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I guess there's I just another can't side see to this. everybody just, there's no way with so much money on the table and such a, you know, the, the way that the world works, I just find it hard to believe that there's just complete radio silence I know. Well, that's everywhere. What I, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like even, I mean, not to bring other sports, but like NBA tampering is, is of course, a real thing where all these players talk. So I, I, I would imagine that that goes over into other sports as well. Like Scott Boris is not sitting on his couch right now. There's there's zero chance that's happening. He's negotiating for his players, working with his players and other teams. That just has to be what's going on in in, in my view. But with Korea, there's there's two sides here. The, the side is... Where you and I fall on, it's I'm comfortable giving nine years, ten years. If it's three hundred fifty million, yeah, I'm comfortable doing that. Uh, again, if not Correa, who else? What other player has the peripherals and the age and the predictive outcomes of Correa at shortstop? Right. The, no one. Then the other side is, well, we don't know when the Cubs are going to align their best team with Correa's peak sure. years. And if they can't do that, then maybe it doesn't make sense to, and it is a gamble. Anytime you give half a billion dollars to a sure. player, it's a gamble. 
maybe it doesn't make much sense and instead still spend money but do so by signing the alternatives, one being Trevor Story to a shorter year with 20, 25 million annual average value. The other alternatives, as we've discussed, is going out into the trade market, getting a guy for the next couple years that's good defensively, and seeing how the rest of the Cubs system progress, mitigating the risk while also still being competitive. So there are two sides to this. And I, the concern I have, and this is why I'm not getting all in emotionally, maybe like you are, is that I can see a world where Jed does opt out and does appear to be a little bit more conservative just because the Cubs system is is, is quite volatile right now. Very high ceiling, but also there is volatility inherently within their guys right now. Yeah. And so that I think was, you know, kind of one of my takeaways, at least, or my hopes in a report like this. Like, as I said, to me, I, I would go for Correa, right? Like I would go for the big contract, there's risks, of course, but I would go for it, right? You're a huge market team. You want to get back to the top of the league and, and and being that team we all want them to be. This is one of those moves to do it. But I would hope at the very least that this is a signal that they plan to address shortstop and maybe some of the other holes in a significant way and not just say, oh, well, we didn't get, we would have done Correa if the terms were right, but we'll just be a 75 win team instead. Forget it. We're kind of done with 2022, right? My hope is that that's, that that it's, it's not a a binary sort of decision in that regard where it's like, you mean like all out where you like, if you don't get Correa, you're just right. Like if you don't get Correa, there's still a, a plan or an interest in solving things in a significant way that still gets us to that 2022 is competitive, but not kind of all in type of situation. That's my hope. And maybe that's, that's not the case where we won't be sure until the lockout is over, but that that's, that's my hope. And I'm, I'm allowing myself to be, maybe it's gullible. I don't know. Right. But into the idea that I'm yes. surprised. I'm surprised you're letting yourself do this, honestly, because you were you've been so like absent from the Rizzo possibilities, the KB possibilities. Even I mean, Javi was kind of an afterthought mm-hmm. a little bit compared to Rizzo and KB, but you never like you accepted they were gone like yeah. the moment it happened. And so I'm like I'm a little confused that you're letting yourself get into Korea this early. I don't know. This is weird. Usually, it's the other way around. Yeah, I, you know, uh, Cupid's what arrow has what a is strange it? Is it the Stroman? Working, you know, Brendan. <laughs> is it the Stroman signing? Like that's like gotten you hyped? Well, I, did, like, I mean, I think you and I have talked money? about this, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the Stroman thing, you know, sort of signals at least something. And as we've discussed, like, really, the reason I guess that I'm allowing this is because it just makes all the sense in the world, right? You need a shortstop. It's yeah. not e- an easy position to address, and it's not one that internally you have an answer to for a few years, right? At least, right? And this just makes sense. And when you look at the payroll, even if you gave him a huge contract, you're still not approaching previous levels that we've seen this team operate at. You're not going to be approaching whatever the luxury tax is after the CBA is signed. Like it, it just makes all the sense in the world to do. And I think it would be, you know, sort as we've talked about, like Jed, took a lot of flack at the deadline and in other situations for the moves that he made. And I I think that you and I have even discussed at times, like you have to allow for the mere possibility, even if it's not how it works out, 
that while it's heartbreaking and difficult and whatever to say farewell to the core and players that mean so much to Chicago, maybe, just maybe, Jed's reasoning for doing that and, and, and sticking to the terms that he did with someone like Rizzo was, I'm if this doesn't work, I'm going to replace them with better players eventually. And Correa right. would well, be that was always Well, that was always the, the discussion was, if you're going to get rid of KB and Rizzo and Javi, that, that, that is, like, I, I'll be cautious saying this, that is okay if you bring back other players to, to replace them that do have value. The, the problem at that time was getting to... A new roster this quickly seemed really difficult to do. Now, if they go out and get Correa, and we just got Stroman, we got Wade Miley, Frank Schwindel came out of nowhere, and they make other improvements elsewhere, yeah, it's possible that Jed did have a very logical plan. It's just a lot of dominoes had to fall for, for this team to get to that point. So, yeah, yeah, well, and I, I, I think it's fair, you know, even, okay, so say you sign Stroman and Correa, like, there's still a ton of question marks on this team. You know, it's not like those moves instantly move them to, I don't even know if they would be the favorite in the NL Central. Like, I, you'd have to see, I mean, there's obviously so many question marks. You mentioned some of them, you know, like Wisdom, Schwindel, yeah. like, what do they look like in 2022? What does Madrigal look like coming off the injury, etc.? So there, there's definitely still questions, but I again, like I just think this lines up so much with everything that they've said. It, it would be smart spending. It would be something that helps in the short term, but is obviously very much geared toward the long term. And it, I, yeah, I, I'm allowing myself to be into it because I just think it makes a ton of sense for this team. And as you and I have talked about, Stroman is is certainly filling this void a little bit, but he only pitches once every five days, right? Uh, you still have jerseys to sell. You still need to get people keeping their marquee subscription. Like you still need big names. And Stroman, I, I think there was a report that the store at Wrigley Field the other day was sold out of number zero jerseys, right? So he, he's going to fill that void. He's He's got a great personality, active on social media. He's going to draw in some fans. But you're still not done in that regard in terms of like, here's another name, here's another guy who can help us sell some tickets, get some eyeballs on the yeah. team, sell some merch, right? And like, if you're looking for that, like look no further than Correa. The store would explode the next day. <laughs> I know. So here, here's a question for you, and we haven't talked about it, but Correa, the history with the cheating stuff, he did say some stuff to the media, you know, cursing, yeah. um, defending what appeared to be quite obviously cheating mm-hmm. and whatnot. Does that affect you whatsoever? Yeah. So I, I think I've said this before, <laughs> but um, I I make no secret uh, that I'm very much a hypocrite when it comes to these things. Uh, you and I <laughs> talked about this. If the Cubs yeah. won in the shortened season in uh, 2020, in the COVID season, totally legitimate, maybe even the hardest ring ever to win, right? Because of so much yeah. going on, no fans, et cetera. If anybody else won it, obviously it's fake. Obviously there's an asterisk, and it, it shouldn't and count. It was, yeah. yeah. And I still stand by that. I yeah, you can call me a hypocrite, and I'd be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> right? Like I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. he he didn't cheat for the Cubs. He didn't do any of that <laughs> as a Cub, and frankly, like. You know, like, I I joke about this. Like, I don't want the Cubs to cheat. But, like, 
jokingly, I would think like, yeah, like the Astros cheat. They're the scum of the earth. It's a stain on the game of baseball. They should be made fun of forever. If the Cubs cheated to win a World Series, everybody should have tried harder. You know, they could have cheated too, you know, but the Cubs won. So it it is what it is, right? But like being uh. being the villain is fun, Brendan. It It's true in a lot of things. In in uh, a lot of entertainment mediums, people like the villain. People like to play the villain, right? Like I'm totally fine being the villain if the Cubs are winning games. That that's my end game here. I always say that my only, you know, horse in the race is the Cubs winning. I just want the Cubs to win. I yeah. prefer they not cheat to do it. But if people think of them as the bad guy, so what? Cool. Let's do it. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I don't care. Listen, if you're going to win a World Series and the clubhouse is happy and the fans are happy and Wrigley's doing well, then I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't care. Like, on a more serious note, though, about what Korea said, you know, he's a 26, 25-year-old kid. You know, we say stupid stuff on his podcast all the time, right? So there has to be some, like, leeway in recognizing that maybe what he said was a mistake and I don't like what he said, but... At the same time, people do grow, they do change, and for someone who's, you know, a superstar baseball player in their mid-20s, I can't relate to that, right? I have no idea what I was saying in that situation. Honestly, given who I am, it probably would have been worse, and I probably would have been, you know, in much more trouble than I'll give him that leeway if he's a cub. If he signs somewhere else, then those quotes are terrible, he's a jerk. I mean, if he signs anywhere in the NL Central, that's yeah. it. Like, the biggest cheater, right. like, just ban him from Major League Baseball, that's yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with being a, a hypocrite in, in that in that regard. None of this matters, right? Like, all that matters to most of us is just that the Cubs win. Who cares? Like, yeah, well, I mean, I've seen that on Twitter, though. I've seen people like, oh, Correa is a cheater. I don't want that stain in the Wrigley Clubhouse. Like, I have seen that. That is a real discussion being had. Now, it's probably the minority of fans, but it is being discussed, Corey. Well, I mean, I think, you know, that's an, that's an individual thing. I mean, there, there's a lot of things you can look at with— uh, you know, certain players. I mean, their their quotes, their politics, their social activism. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot that you can either pay mind to and and have a strong opinion on as as to whether they're on the sports team you root for or not, right? And everybody's going to have kind of a yeah. different standard on what that is, and you know, certain stuff that obviously crosses the line. I think you and I have talked about a lot of that. And unfortunately, the Cubs have had some of those guys that does cross that line of, you know, no, I I do not want this guy on the team. I wish he wasn't on the team. And that's kind of an individual thing. But I, you know, again, like if he signed with the Cubs, he didn't cheat with the Cubs. So I don't really care what he did in Houston, frankly. If he's yeah, hitting so, 500 I mean, confident... home runs onto Wayland Avenue, you think I care what he was doing oh, with man. the Astros five years ago? Not in the slightest. I know. I know. I mean, confidence-wise, like, like you're emotionally in on Correa, but like, do you think the Cubs are actually going to do it? Like, my, my, my thing is they're open to it, but I would be shocked if it's 10 years. I feel like if they do get them, it'll be, it will be the highest eight annual average value of all time. Yeah. It will have to be over eight years, maybe some options, but if they sign him... It will be a record-breaking contract for the Cubs. Yeah, That's and well, be. and you know, we just got through talking about this uh, with Stroman, and you know, kind of evaluating things and, and hearing some quotes from Jed. Like the years are important, so uh, you know, if that's going to be a sticking point, and he's not willing to 
deal on a more creative level with opt-outs or incentives or whatever the Cubs might be trying to do, then yeah, maybe you lose out. Um, and I hate these opt-outs though. I will say that. Like I, like even when Darvish signed and it ended up being okay because he had some, uh, some problems, but like the opt-out, I don't, I'm okay with giving it, but I dislike it because it does take away some projectability for your future. Like, I love Strowman, but I got to say, like, my first instinct when I saw that opt-out for two years was kind of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to keep someone like that under a long-term Yeah, deal. I mean, I think the only thing that we can we can hope there is that once the the prospect timeline and all of that lines up better, you know, to—, to graduating guys yeah. to the major leagues and, and helping yeah, yeah, the Cubs yeah. win that that money is being spent elsewhere and it's not a big deal you know yep, that's what true. you have to hope obviously there's a concern that that doesn't happen and I I get that with where you're coming from but um yeah look yeah. the the key is going to be years right it, it's been important for them we'll see if they can find a middle ground perhaps with Correa or if Jed decides that this is the time to put that concern aside. And again, I, I don't think he, I don't think that that would be in conflict with what he said. And we've talked about that just again with Correa being 27 now, the way you might expect him to age, the ability to perhaps move him to third base or something in the later years mm-hmm. if his range or whatever at shortstop is, is not quite the elite level that it is now. So I, I don't think that that would be necessarily the same concern with other players, uh, just given the age and all of that. But we'll see. Again, for now, this is uh, perhaps, maybe, maybe not, uh, a dance in public, if you will, right, through the media and and sort of winking at each other through these these reports of, of mutual interest and terms and things like that, because they're not technically supposed to be talking to one another. So who knows, right? But I'm I'm intrigued by this. I'm into this, and I'm hoping that there's some meat to this, right? Because uh, the Cubs should be spending money, and that's what we all want them to do. So, do want to transition to another thing that kind of came up uh, this past week, and it's revisiting something from over the summer, Brendan, and something that we've kind of been expecting in a way. Uh, for Jed to maybe explore in this offseason once things get going again. And it, it came out of San Diego. One of the beat writers for the Padres uh, suggested that the Cubs did indeed have discussions with San Diego that would have include uh, that would have included, excuse me, buying basically the contract of Eric Hosmer. So we're leaving the Padres of that in exchange for the Cubs also taking one of their better prospects. And the name that came out of San Diego was catcher Luis Campusano. Uh, So, you know, there was a lot of speculation of who the Cubs might be interested in getting back. Uh, Obviously, we've heard the rumors with Wilson Contreras. We've heard the, you know, lack of extension talks. And of course, he's entering his final year. So certainly raises an eyebrow or two that the Cubs may have been targeting a top prospect in the form of a catcher in Campusano. So that's very interesting. And we we don't have to discuss this particular trade because it may not be on the table anymore. But I think the more interesting thing to discuss uh, is this idea of prospect buying, right? The Cubs have a lot of payroll flexibility. You can eat the contract of someone like Hosmer, cut him, play him in a bench roll, do whatever you want, right? That's not the point. The point is to relieve the Padres of some money and take one of their better prospects in exchange. Like 
I, I think we've talked about this a little, but I, I'm, I'm assuming you're in on this general concept, right? Uh, um, oh, maybe not. Yes and no, I think. It depends on the prospect. So if it was... Uh, if it was Camposano, then then I, I would think about it, absolutely, uh, given that Camposano did play Major League Baseball last year. So he's not your prospect in that type of definition. Now, the top prospect is in you know high A, just scrapping through double A, then I, I may have a little bit of a pause there, just because for... You know, for Hosmer, his annual average value is $18 million, and he's not going to be up for free agency until 2026. So you are buying a prospect, which might be worth it, right? We've seen what other international free agents in history have, have gone for on the open market. You know, maybe it's worth it. But for the Hosmer concept, like I'm into getting immediate value back. So if the top prospect is that, if he's triple A, double A, you know, 22, 23, then yeah, like absolutely, like sign me up for that. But if we're going to be eating salary for the next, you know, what is it, four or five years, I need some certainty. Like we we were so hesitant going into the pitching market for like Steven Mass in four years. And then we're going to like basically do the same thing for, you know, a 20 year old. I, I can see it. I understand the logic, but I'm not necessarily like gun ho about it. Like I can see it also not working. And given what we have in the free agent market right now, you know, with Trevor Story, with uh, Correa out there, Castellanos, Schwarber, it's like, you know what? Maybe I just rather spend the money on some projectability. That, make, that might make more sense for me sure. right now. Yeah, I, I I think for sure I I get all of that and and I think you'd have to see the the exact deal. I think, you know, the merit of it, of course, is you know you're you're finding a way to poach uh, a very highly regarded player. I do agree with you. I, I would certainly hope it's you know you're not adding more to the very very young portion of the system if you're mm-hmm. doing something like this. Um, and I would have the concern, at least in a marginal level, like I I wouldn't want taking on the contract of Hosmer. You have the flexibility now, right? But I don't want a few years from now that contract to be clogging things up, right? And it has happened before in recent history. You look at the Chatwood contract. You look at all those uh, relievers we had signed for eight million dollars. Brandon Morrow, like it, it, it did catch up, and it did affect how the Cubs went out, and resulted in signings that were maxed at right. Daniel Descalso. So we when don't I, know what's going to happen in three seasons. It's interesting that you went to those. I mean, I would have said Jason Hayward is the prime example of this, but. Well, I mean, Hayward too, right? I'm just yeah, you know, being of course. nice here. It, but yeah, like, and again, one of them as maybe well. this wouldn't be the case. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, don't do this now if you're going to have issues spending more money to round out the team in a few years because you've got this expensive guy just sort of wasting away in whatever role, right? So, you know, people are going to say the same thing about uh, <laughs> just the Hayward contract at the time. Like, Hayward was young, right? Played good defense, didn't strike out that much. You know, it does sound like Korea to a degree, very different, but like people will criticize and think about well, the, the yeah, Hayward oh yeah. there, there's a signing lot of people that are just very context. scared of long-term deals in general. And I get that. Because like, of Hayward. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think for, for us in particular, we're, as a fan base, maybe more, that, that's more on the radar because there were years where you felt like, hey, if you guys just really go over the luxury tax, like really go nuts with the spending you've got a World Series contender winner like easily and they didn't do it, 
right? And the logic yeah. was, hey, we spent money here, we spent money here, like that's that's it. That ought to be enough, right? And maybe this wouldn't happen. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it'll look like. But I'm just saying, like, don't like I like this concept, I like this idea, but I don't want to hear about Eric Hosmer's contract in a few years as a reason that they're not making further additions to a good team that could potentially be a great team. So yeah. there's also, as we've talked about, the potential for just trading prospects, not necessarily buying, uh, you know, taking on a bad contract, but just using some of the younger prospects or all of the, the, the prospects that you've acquired in these various deals to maybe move some things around and, and get some more help in the immediate future, or, you know, more toward that 2022, 2023 range. So there's some options, but, but this was at least interesting because it did surface like what the player was and what this deal was. And as I said, it, it certainly does maybe uh, warrant monitoring a little, just putting it together with the stuff that we've read about Wilson Contreras, that it was a catcher the Cubs were looking at. Yeah, I mean, right now, so the Cubs are on the books for a projected $128 million. The uh, expected luxury tax cutoff, which is likely to change, I believe. You never know with these negotiations, but uh, right now it's pegged at $210 million. So if you just subtract the two numbers, if the Cubs do want to spend money and do so by inching towards that luxury tax without going over, they got $80 million to spend. Now, they might keep some room open during the trade deadline where you can acquire some more costly guys. And if that's the case, you know, if you have $30 million, $20 million left over in that scenario, then you still have around $50 million to spend right now. So a move for Hosmer, who's $18 million annual average value, if you're going to get back someone who's going to slot in and give you instant value for this season and next season, yeah, that makes sense. And it does align well with what we're hearing with the Cubs, that they are willing to spend money. And we've seen it with Stroman, Wade Miley even, a mid-30s guy for $10 million. Like They are going out there and spending money. And it does appear that 2022 is still on the table for competitiveness and it may not be like an all-out scenario but you can definitely accidentally fall into a playoff spot and in doing so compete and get to uh get to the world series it's definitely within the realm of possibility but when you hear within a few hours basically the Correa reports then the Hosmer report and we're coming off a few weeks ago signing Stroman the narrative that the Cubs are not willing to spend money like I understand why that was perceived, given how they've operated the last three years, but it's that's not necessarily you know fully true here. And so when you get this validity that yeah they are interested in maybe or they were interested in maybe taking on that money in the form of prospects, I, I'm I'm still encouraged. I'm not happy how the last few years went, but this team is not going to operate like a small to mid market team. Like they are willing to spend money here. Yeah, and I, I think, again, the hope just with some of these rumors and stuff, there there's always the possibility that it's smoke and mirrors, and it's it's just one big effort to be like, well, we explored some things we tried, but, you know, this is the best we can do. But... That doesn't do anything, though. Like, that's not going to get no, it, eyes it on the TV. Like, nobody cares, you know, yeah. It, yeah. it, it doesn't. You're so, right, but it, it would still, you know, at least it's marginally possible, I guess. But just in reading yeah. these, like... It all just sort of lines up with a lot of, of what Jed has said in that there are options out there. There are creative solutions to some of the problems that the Cubs have. 
and it seems as though they're exploring them. Like, they can't do anything right now, but I do have the hope that once the lockout comes out, again, nothing has changed, and I don't think will change, in terms of expectations for 2022, right? Like, just hoping that the team is interesting and competitive when opening day rolls around, and that we can all kind of be excited for... Uh, and hopeful for the season, right? But like no one is expecting to have like a World Series favorite in 2022. I don't think that's going to happen. But the hope is that there's, there's avenues the Cubs are exploring to fill some holes, make some changes, and and put together a more interesting team. And I think both of the rumors that we've discussed today are ways they could do that and hopefully evidence that they are going to try right? And and then you just have to hope that yeah. things work out for them and Jed is able to pull the trigger on things that he wants to pull the trigger on. Yeah. So we just had the Zips projections come out. And if you go down the list of the war projections, you can see this team being competitive, like within a standard deviation of the division winner for projections, maybe, maybe a little bit closer than that. And for the starting staff, Zips is pretty favorable. And so they give Stroman a four war. That's pretty good. That's actually above what the going rate is for uh, a pitcher of of Stroman's predicted value. So we're paying him around, what is it, like 20, you know, 23 million or so, 22 million. That on the open market, in theory, should be a little bit more. So that's interesting. Now, Kyle Hendricks' projected war is at 2.6. Wade Miley, interestingly, and this is this is based on just the heavily recency of his success, is at 2.8. So he has a war projection higher than Kyle Hendricks' Corey. That is that is interesting. Also goes to show you some of the, some of the limitations of these projection, uh, projection models. And then after those three, you have Adbert Alzali at one. Alec Mills at three, Justin Steele at point, or I'm sorry, uh, Alec Mills at 0.3, Justin Steele at 0.5. So you, that's where the volatility exists right there in the lower tier of that rotation. And then it's going through the position group very quickly. It's the same type of scenario. So for second base, Nick Madrigal has a 2.3 war average. We will take that. Ian Happen left field, 1.7. You want more out of Ian in that scenario. Again, it goes to the volatility. Nico Horner and Alcantara combined at shortstop would net a uh, positive value of 2.6. Wisdom Bodhi at third base, 2.7. Frank Schwindel alone, 1.4. So you look at this team right now, and even getting Correa, even getting like Campusano and, and taking on uh, Hosmer's contract, there's still volatility there, right? And so if you go in, though, and you are able to staple in that back end of the rotation, which is definitely possible, well, hitting the t- upper tier of Schwindel's projection and hitting the upper tier of, uh, of, of Wisdom or Bodie's projection, and Contreras performs as expected, this team is going to compete. And you can still go out there and add to this group, maybe Kyle Schwarber, maybe Nick Castellanos, if the money is right. This is all to say like the, the, the previous discussions we've had about the Cubs' willingness to spend money, I kind of appears to be in the past, and those could be famous last words. And they end up may not they may end up not doing anything here, but I do think we should kind of prep ourselves that you know this front office is going to be active. We are going to be in discussions with some of these top guys, and that alone should at least give some sigh of relief for many fans. Well, I'll breathe a sigh of relief when I see it, but I I know where you're coming from. Yes. Um, 
So that roster-wise and, you know, sort of like rumor-wise is uh, probably where we will leave you, obviously, before the holidays here. I, I don't expect a new CBA to be ironed out between now and, and Christmas or New Year's. I don't think that that's a realistic expectation. So uh, we're at least a little on the shorter side, Brendan. So I'm going to ask you a question that I did not tell you okay. I was going to ask you. It shouldn't be particularly difficult. Um, it's it's on the lighter okay. side. But do you have anything that you recall in your life, uh, as it is the holiday and <laughs> gift-giving season, the best yeah. Cubs-related gift you have ever received in your life? Oof. Uh, the best Cubs-related gift. I've gotten so many gifts. So I know, like, and I, I know you're probably going to say, like, the gift of my friendship, but it, you don't have to be so cheesy. No. You don't have to. Well, that's implied. Yeah, the listeners know. Yeah, implied. you guys know. I mean, there's a few there's a few gifts from play uh, in regards to players that you hate. So I can't. I'm not going to say that on air because you're going to scream can. at me. So fine. I will not do you that. Can. I yeah, can. it's fine. I'm mean, I'm kind of embarrassed about it though. I think Listen, you should it should be. It's just, but go ahead. It's fine. I mean, it's just because that was my stage of life, man. I you know I played shortstop and he was a shortstop of the Cubs. I did get a Ryan Terrio jersey when I was like 14 years old. So I love that jersey. I'm sorry. It was pretty cool. It was an away Ryan Terrio jersey. Um, I can't let that be my favorite though, because that's that's just not that's just not good. Um, when I was younger, I got a Sammy Sosa uh, Sports Illustrated autograph. That was pretty cool. Um, oh, what else have I gotten? I don't know. I got an Alfonso Soriano jersey with the the offseason he signed. That was cool. So I mean, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, what's yours? Uh, well, so I have two probably, I think, and I'm almost positive that my dad will listen to this tomorrow and be like, how could you forget this or something, right? What? Like a onesie? Um, I did get the Jake Arrieta mustache onesie. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. It wasn't used by Jake Arrieta, but it's like the same thing. Um, yeah. That'd be weird if it was used by Jake Arrieta. Um, (laughs) a used jersey is one thing. A used onesie is getting into a little different kind of territory there. Um, but one, you know, holiday season, I did get the jersey, the John Lester jersey that I have now that has the uh, World Series patch on it, which just, you know, for clarity, of course, uh, it was a World Series patch from the 2016 World Series because John Lester and the Cubs did win the 2016 World Series. won the World Series. So they put that on the jersey uh, after your team wins. So that one's pretty cool. But I think the most unique one, and I have to find it, I'm I'm going back to LA and I believe it is in my parents' garage uh, just because I've moved around so much. So that's that's where it's located (laughs) at the moment. Uh, They, and I have no idea where they found this. This was a while ago, but it's, it's, you know, kind of small, maybe the, the size of like a, you know, I don't know, like a 32 inch TV or something like that. It's like a wooden replica of the marquee painted red. You know, it, it looks like the marquee and in place of where the, you know, like the, the board is where they put the messages, there's like a small led board that I have like a controller for. And so like it's, Mm -hmm. it's this wooden replica of the marquee that you can hang on the wall and like, I can program it to, to have the ticker say like Brendan Miller sucks just all day. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean that's awesome. You got to ship that back. I, to I ha- yeah, I, I, I'm like 99% positive it's it's in my my parents' garage. Um, I will try to. Oh, well, that's the first thing you thought of. You know, the first thing is Brendan Miller sucks. Of all the things you can think of, that's the first that comes to mind. I get it. It's it's what the people would want. If I find it and I sure. share a video of it on Twitter, that's probably what it's going to say. <laughs> Just fair warning. I mean, for I, 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 I mean, it could say something else. I don't know, but this is such an abusive relationship. Well, you know, giving the people what they want. What I think. Is. Um, I guess. Yeah. I guess. So I, I would, I would say those. But you know, I mean, there, there's, there's so many, right? Like, I think, like you have gotten a, a bunch of jerseys, um, some autographs. I have a Kyle Hendricks autograph uh, on my desk on a nice. baseball. That's pretty cool. So there, there's a lot of stuff, but I think that marquee thing is is the most the most unique uh, thing Cubs related thing that I own. I would have to assume that that's the correct answer. But again, my dad will text me tomorrow and be like, "You forgot this that I got you when you were 14," and <laughs> almost assuredly. So I like it. Well. You got to ship that back. I don't know why you don't have it to begin with. You just I've been moving around. I, you know, I've been subletting places in Wrigleyville That's and true. stuff like that. I, you know, it's it's delicate. I don't want to ship it around and have it get messed up if it's going to have to get right, shipped well, back. You know. All right. So, yeah, I got you. if the board breaks, then I can't have it say whatever I want. You know, so you got to be careful. But I get yeah. It. So anyway, uh, that is, I think, what we have for you. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's nice of the of Bruce Levine and um, I think it was Dennis Lynn out of San something. Diego to give us something to talk about, right? Because as far as the CBA negotiations and things like that, we are not hearing uh, a thing, not a word. So this was, uh, yeah, I think at least a productive conversation and. As always, uh, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, If you are celebrating the holidays this coming week, Christmas, New Year's, uh, anything, if you've already celebrated holidays, wherever this podcast finds you, hope you guys have a good holiday season with your family, your friends, or if you're sticking it out solo, um, I hope you have uh, a nice time and are able to enjoy yourself one way or another. And of course, uh, as we near the end of the year here, we are, are very thankful for your guys' support and your company as Brendan and I sit here and obsess over what is currently a team in a league that uh, doesn't really exist at the moment. So we appreciate that and your continued support of the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you guys soon. And as always, go Cubs.